0: اللهم رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين اما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القران المجيد والفرقان الحميد الله اخرجكم من بطون امهاتكم لا تعلمون شيئا وجعل لكم السمع والابصار والافئده لعلكم تشكرون صدق الله مولانا العظيم صدق رسول النبي الحبيب الكريم الحمد لله ريسبكتد لسنرز السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته Uh definitely we are fortunate and we are grateful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a complete deen, a complete system of life. And if we stick to the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the full potential of man will be realized. The moment we deviate from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's system, then uh, we are looking for... We're looking for problems, we're looking for difficulties, and we're looking for calamities. So here, we have to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be grateful for him that he has given us this great opportunity. So alhamdulillah, uh, one of the most important you know, uh, parts of a person's life is the need for learning and education. So alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed mankind with this uh, faculty, where we are able to learn because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us means for learning. Like it comes in the eyes of the Quranic which I just recited, that, la shay'a, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought you forth from the wombs of your mothers, and you had no knowledge of any sort. Lakum Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed you with the ability to hear one of the the ability to see and the hearts which is the ability to reason in order that you may show your gratitude to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and here uh, we see that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah he has given us the means to educate ourselves via the various senses that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have blessed us as human beings so here allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a complete uh, uh, system for us to educate ourselves. Now, uh, you know, this is one of the uh, special qualities of mankind that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have used to set mankind apart and give them a higher status all over all the other creation is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed mankind with intelligence and the ability to learn and the ability to educate themselves. Now, respected friends here, we need to understand very clearly that education and learning is a part of the Sharia, and it cannot be divorced from the Sharia in any way. You know, now we have, especially at the beginning of the year, there's a great focus on education, there's a great focus on learning, and, you know, most of that uh, attention is focused towards the secular system of education, you know, where there is uh, 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 effort being made uh, to better our standard of living via secular education. Now, we must understand that, you know, the very term secular itself is uh, not compatible with sharia because secular means, you know, separated from religion. And whereas in Islam, Islam being a complete system of life, there is no way to separate education from the sharia and from the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here, you know, uh, uh, to, 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 to decouple education from the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi Wasallam is a very, very dangerous thing, and that will obviously, you know, will lead to huge compromises in the sight of the human being, which will take him away, you know, from the ideal that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes. Now, you know, having said that, it doesn't mean that, you know, in Islam, you know, there is any hostility or Islam is inimical to other types of education. Yes, obviously the best education and the best learning that a person can get is the sound learning of the Kitabullah, and in fact, we find that many of the Sahaba, like one person brought his son to Umar radiallahu anhu, and he complained about him. And then Umar radiallahu anhu, said that one of the rights of the child over the parent is that yu'allimahu al-kitab al-akal to give him a sound knowledge of the kitab and the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is the Quranic Karim. once he reaches the age of understanding. So that is definitely, you know, it's, it's the most important type of education which should never be neglected. But, you know, sadly, most of our attention is focused towards You know material learning where we are looking at bettering our standard of living so now you know uh, nowadays our attention goes towards that and we're willing to make all kinds of sacrifices you know we don't look at the cost of uh, of of providing our children education that uh, that education is meant to be a means for them to survive in the world and uh, uh, allow them you know to, to, to earn a means of living But actually, that means of education now becomes a way of destroying the entire Akhirat, where all the rules and principles of Sharia are compromised, and at the cost of a person's deen is providing, you know, the education to his children, and their deen is being lost to such an extent that, you know, nowadays people are becoming atheists, and they're losing all connection with deen, and, you know, uh, their focus is only towards the material life. There's hardly any focus towards the Akhirat. So, you know, while we are on this here that we said that Islam is not inimical or hostile towards any type of worldly education, but nevertheless worldly education, you know, it falls under the section of uh, Ikramul muslimin you know, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says fi uh, hadith has stated that Wallahu al abdi al abdu akhi, that a person you know gets the assistance and help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as as long as he is involved in the service of his fellow beings. So here, be kind to the people on the earth and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be kind to you. So here, all these forms of education which bring the benefit to mankind, that is definitely, it is part of the din, and that can bring reward to a person. And for the very same reason, we see that throughout the annals of history, we will find that pioneers in various fields of science were actually Muslim. Because at one stage, you know, Europe was in the dark ages where, you know, it was regarded as an act of piety, the longer person did not for or the monk stayed unwashed and uh, 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 dressed raggedly, you know, that person would be regarded to be the most pious and enlightened in society. But at that time already, you know, the Muslim world was already far advanced in the fields of mathematics, in the field of chemistry, in the fields of geometry of, of various different sizes, geography, because we find that the Arab traders were moving throughout the world uh, and traveling and trading. Large parts of the world had come under, you know, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Arab influence, and many people accepted Islam at one stage during the Ottoman Empire. You know the uh, the Muslim Empire stretched from Morocco in the West right till uh, uh, various Western countries right up till the you know the Hungary and Vienna uh, 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 parts of uh, Bosnia, Yugoslavia, most of Eastern Europe on one side right to China in the east, and that huge area of land you know shared a common culture which was a culture of Deen. There was a lot of enlightenment because we know you know the principles and rules of Islam as such that they are most of the time logical, uh, it's a very clean system of belief, and uh, the Sunnah brings us you know, uh, cleanliness, it brings us advancement in many areas and fears of life. So if you look throughout the Muslim history, we'll find you know, experts in the fields, various fields of science, who are actually Muslims and pioneers. Like, for example, if we take the field of mathematics, you know, we have algebra there, uh, which is advanced field of mathematics. In fact, the first known instance of algebra or the book on algebra was written by a Muslim scholar whose whose name was Al-Khawarism, and actually the name of the book is kitab al jabbar which Englishized is algebra. And in fact, in algebra, when we're working a complex equation that's called an algorithm, algorithm is actually an Englishization of the name Al-Khawarism, who was the scholar that wrote the book on algebra, and even up till today, you know, that the uh, work of his is recognized in the Western universities. Uh, that's just one example of mathematics. If we look at the numeral system that we have today, you know, in those days, uh, the European world was using the Roman numerals where if we wanted to write a large number in the billions, we'd need a whole wall. But uh, the system where we have from zero to nine, the earliest known iteration of that comes from the book of an Arab scholar called Iqlidas. And actually, the... English numerals that we have today is actually just a variation on the original Arabic numerals. And we can easily see this, you know, if we compare and see that how the digits are the same. uh, uh, If you look at the one, is exactly the same. The two in English is actually just uh, the Arabic two, which is now inverted and turned on its side. Three is exactly the same. Four is similar. So like that, you know, we can see that most of the numerals in the English uh, 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 language as we used to writing them are actually drawn from the original Arabic numerals. Uh, like that, if we go to the fields of you know medicine, we have there you know Al-Razi who was known to the Western world as Razors, He wrote the Encyclopedia of Medicine. We have Avicenna who's actually Ibn Sina, his book, The Canon of Medicine, is still very famous today. If you go into chemistry, you know you had Gerber uh, who is uh, Jabir Ibn Hayyan was a chemist of, uh, uh, of 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 of, uh, of uh, West Africa. Uh, which in the area which is currently you know, in Algeria, uh, he was famous for his work in chemistry. You had uh, uh, Abul Qasas, who is actually Abul Abbas, who was a chemist of Baghdad. And if we go into, you know, like geometry, we got Rumi there, you know, who was one of the first people to, 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 to write about the, the use of the astrolabe, which was an uh, uh, instrument for navigation during those days. Uh, where, uh, you know, the, the, the so we can see there, you know, the geometry, geography. So many other fields of science. When it comes to optics, the book of optics was written by Ibn Laytham, which is known as Kitabul ul And uh, one of the first scholars to perform a cataract operation was an Arab Muslim scholar. So we see that in the various fields of science, alhamdulillah, you know, uh, because of the culture of deen, where there's always appreciation for learning, we find that, uh, that there have been advancements in all these various fields. But however, the important point to take over there is that it must be done within the limits of the sunnah and within the boundaries of the sharia. So here there is complete scope for all of our youngsters to educate themselves in the various fields of science. But there has to be moral and religious restraint. And that is the shackles that have been placed on us, the limits that have been placed on us by the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi Wasallam. As long as we stick within these, then we find that the outcome of such learning will not be detrimental to humankind. And when these restraints are done away with, then we can see, you know, we've got nuclear, what you call fusion nowadays. It's instead of being used to benefit mankind, it's being used to manufacture weapons, you know, of mass destruction, uh, you know, various different fields of science now, because there is no moral and religious history, the type of experiments that are taking place where, you know, there is no what you call ethics whatsoever. And obviously the outcome of that we see is just because of the profit motive that hardly anybody today will study for the sake of learning or no one will just study for the academics itself or for such, uh, you know, uh, uh, with an altruistic uh, concept, an idea that that must be used for the benefit of mankind. Whoever is studying today in the various Western universities, the only one who is the profit motive, the quickest route to a money future, how the person can, you know, uh, uh, study the best subjects or the best field which will bring him the highest returns and the highest salary. And that's why we find today that, you know, among the top ten, uh, types of, uh, uh, you know, fields where students want to get into, you know, it's the engineering or the actuarial sciences or in the accounting or medicine. And there's, uh, although medicine is supposed to be something that should be there for, 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 for the benefit of mankind, but unfortunately today, you know, most of the medical practitioners, they have only one uh, idea, and that is to, to, to make money as quickly as possible. And that is why, despite all the advancements in the medical field, you know, stem cell research, we've got um, uh, uh, various uh, t- types of laser treatment, and, you know, every day there's new big break- breakthroughs in the medical sciences. But all of that is available only for the rich. Uh, for 90% of humankind, all of that treatment is beyond uh, what they can afford. And nowadays, you know, a person who doesn't have any money, he can die in a public hospital because of the lack of care there. And in a private hospital also, you know, he'll die in the foyer because he won't have the money to pay the deposit uh, to access the treatment, which is available only for for the rich people as far as the poor people are just left to suffer. So we see that all those advancements in medical science and in the other fields as well, you know, are there only for the rich and the rest of mankind cannot benefit from that in any way. So uh, this is because, you know, the profit motive has been pushed to the front and the principles and ethics of being have been discarded. So, you know, there's a very really great need that we've got many of our youngsters, you know, they want to uh, study, uh, you know, uh, 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 and they want to go forward uh, in higher education. You know, this is one of the factors that they should consider that uh, should we just be so selfish to make our motive for study just self-enrichment or should we look beyond that? You know, and have another goal and purpose day where ultimately it's a benefit of mankind, and we won't, we 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 will only realize the fulfillment that that brings us. You know, once a person has committed himself, and these are all the things that's contributing to the high divorce rate, the high what you call suicide rate, people becoming depressed, because you know a a, a profit motive is something that is not, uh, it's not self-fulfilling doesn't bring the person the fulfillment and satisfaction that he will get from humanitarian efforts. So this is another angle and another dimension towards our study that we should be considering. So Alhamdulillah, I think my time is up now. So just, uh, you know, these few words, I hope that, you know, it can uh, uh, give us a different dimension and a different viewpoint when it comes to study and education. And Allah SWT Allah gives us a tawfiq to understand the greatness of the Sharia and how that has to govern every part of our life and even our professional life also and our academic life also is not outside the ambit of the Sharia. That also has to be reined in and restricted by the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if we do that, then we will get the fulfillment and we'll reach the highest potential that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made possible for humankind. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and give us a tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil